0: And welcome to Everybody A, Everybody Gay,
1: a queer exploration of Pretty Little Liars,
0: with your hosts, Speak Pirate, aka Joanna. I'm here. I'm queer, and I have a cat named Spencer.
1: And your other host, LCO One Two Three, aka Vina, a proud member of the Church of Vander Jesus. Welcome
0: to the mid-season finale. Now you see me. Now you don't. Uh, for a mid-season finale, this is a bit of a best-of-times, worst-of-times situation. The best being the reveal of Presra as a creepy-ass stalker, Ashley going free, and Emily being kidnapped and nearly sawed in half while trapped in a coffin. Uh, the worst is really about the way this episode feels like part one of two, uh, in the sense that it doesn't stand up super well on its own without Grave New World, and Grave New World itself is actually just the backdoor pilot for Ravenswood. So, a little bit meh. Uh, On one hand, the Liars learn that Allison is alive, although the Doubting Thomases have yet to see her with their own eyes to know for sure. Uh, But then their response is basically, let's go shopping for period costumes. Uh, (laughs) uh, This episode also has Arya doing karate, a foreshadowing of Cece's eventual demise, and a long game of Where's Mona? Uh, It's also an episode that for sure wants you to save the postal service because a lot of packages are being sent and received. Shall we open up this
1: special delivery? (laughs) Yes, yes. We can see if the the girl in the mystery box has reappeared or not. Uh, yeah, this is a, this is a messy, overstuffed episode. It's tr- I think it's just at the end of the day, it's trying to attempt too many things. It's trying to really redirect the mystery and sort of shuffle certain characters um, off screen or kind of out of our minds. Characters that will not really be um, that important moving forward, which is weird because like I feel like this half season has spent a lot of time being like. Ren, Cece, they're very important, but, like, they won't ultimately be that important in 4B. Um, and then we're also, yeah, we're teeing up this this Ravenswood spinoff, uh, and so it's just a bit awkward. Although, I do have to say, I re-listened to our episode on The Lady Killer yesterday, and um, I, do, I think that this is probably a better mid-season finale than The Lady Killer. Hmm.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, the lady killer is not one of our favorites, so to, no. to come in above it, it's, it's a low bar, but I agree, this does probably clear it.
1: Yeah, there's just a little bit more going on, and a little bit less of the liars, like, having to be uh, needlessly stupid for the sake of it. <laughs>
0: true, true. Uh,
1: shall, we, shall we dive right in?
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: do you want to start us off? Sure. Yeah, we begin um, with the Liars watching a news report about Wilden and somebody coming forward. Uh, This is, of course, Travis. Um, Spencer goes to answer the door, which she will spend most of this episode doing. Um, Hannah is worried about Ashley's upcoming lineup, but everybody is trying to assure her that Travis is a good guy and he's cute and he's going to be helpful. And wow, they are very willing to trust and praise this man. Uh, Spencer brings in the first of many mysterious packages, this one containing eight balls, one for each of the liars. They somehow know exactly what order to read the accompanying A message in. If she goes free, you'll hear from me. Kisses A. They determine that this is Cece communicating to them that if Ashley goes, goes free, she is coming after them. She meaning Cece. Emily declares, bring it. And Spencer gives us a new name for the hashtag that I feel like is like not quite as catchy as everybody wants it to be. But I remember being a big hashtag at the time, which is World War A.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. So she like, it's like the the checklist of things they have to do here. And one of them is say the name of the hashtag. Uh, and so, of course, that's like you know, that's the important moment there. Um, I do have to say, this is like a line of demarcation in terms of the show really going for some lazy writing because everyone is just chirping about Travis, like, cute trustworthy a good dancer and it's like very obvious that they're teeing him up to be hannah's new boyfriend but doing an absolute minimum amount of work like they're gonna have they're gonna have the liars voice extreme enthusiasm for him every single time his name comes up and yet i don't even think that all of the liars have met him i don't know if any of the liars (laughs) have met him but they're just i mean maybe they all just don't like caleb it's It's a confusing situation there, and it seems real lazy.
1: I agree. I also feel like the World War A thing, um, combined with the costume that Prezra will be wearing um, in Grave New World and that we see towards the end of this episode, it's like the show is sort of leaning into this kind of like... I I almost feel like some of this is like like a precursor to Shadowplay in a way. Like we're kind of leaning into this like old, old old-timey style... We're sort of getting the sense of A as, like, this older person and this kind of uh, person with maybe more, like, old-fashioned sensibilities about them, um, which I, I I don't know. I feel like it's kind of coming through in this episode.
0: Yeah, I actually wondered... Uh in terms of the the stuff with the, it's like a night of remembrance that's happening in Ravenswood later, and he's going as, like, this World War One soldier. I was like, is this like a Veterans Day type event? Is it suddenly November 11th? Because Emily's birthday was November 19th and that was a few weeks ago. But now I have a new theory of the way endless November might work. Like, it might just be, like, a spinning wheel of the calendar. Like, it doesn't progress in a linear way. You just, like, you know, you just, like, spin the wheel, like, on Price is Right or something, and then, like, whatever it comes in on, that's the day. So that's my theory. It could be, it could be Veterans Day, and that's why all of this World War A stuff is, uh, is going to fit in here.
1: That, that makes as much sense as anything.
0: <laughs> oh, so you're right. So the scene ends with, uh, you know, if Ashley goes, for it, uh, goes free, A is going to come after them. Uh, I really feel like A is always after them. So although this comes wrapped in magic eight balls, it seems like a fairly mild threat.
1: I also feel like eight balls are not the most menacing gift that A could send, you know? Yeah, yeah. I I have to agree with you there. It's no like worms in the Chinese food, you know?
0: (laughs) It certainly, certainly is not. Um, over at the police station, uh, there is a lineup, uh, which Hannah had briefly mentioned in the previous scene that her mom was going to have to go to, uh, apparently the lineup is for Travis to identify the person he saw leaving the scene before the shots were fired. Weird, but okay. Uh, he hesitates and tells the cops he isn't sure he can do this.
1: I like all of, like, the knockoff Ashley Marons that are in this lineup. <laughs> Marin. It's like they rounded up, like, where I don't know where they went. I don't know if they went to, like, the that wine bar that Ashley, like, <laughs> like rounded up all the divorcees and brought them in. Um, but, I mean, nobody nobody is Ashley Marin. Like, Ashley Marin stands alone. She does. She does. Totally true. Yeah. Um, Over at school, Prezra is waxing poetic about the Tempest and love at first sight, just as the bell rings. Um, Arya, who is former girlfriend, who is in his class and is wearing a really bizarre sweater situation, uh, is invited and asked to stay after class. Again, like, oh my god, why is she even in this class? Why is he ever allowed to spend any time alone with her? It boggles the mind. Um, he thanks her for coming over the previous night by saying that he needed her, but didn't know how to ask, which is just completely manipulative horse shit from this guy. Uh, she says that she was glad to be there for him, but stresses as a friend, um, her, she goes out of the classroom and her phone rings from the pocket of this weird, like varsity cardigan situation. It's like, I feel like it's like, it's like a legally blonde varsity cardigan. It's like white with pink stripes. Um, it's Jake and she wants to invite him to a poetry reading, but then is clearly very disappointed when he won't play along with her Presria role play, um, by, I, we don't actually hear his side of the conversation, but presumably he's like, that sounds boring. I don't want to go. Like, can we go to a movie instead? Um, and then we see that Prezra, of course, is overhearing this whole exchange.
0: Yes. Uh, poor Aria has not yet learned that you can go to poetry readings alone or with a friend. Uh, ask Shauna, maybe. She she really uh, tore up the open mic last time. Again, it is totally normal and good to have different interests from your partner.
1: Yeah, it there's it's so clear how being with Prezra, I mean, the ways that being with Prezra has warped Aria, like let us count them. But like, it's so clear that this is one of the ways in which like, she's so bought into this idea. And I think this is bolstered by her parents' marriage as well, that like, like we like we live in this like perfect little universe of just us two and we have these like very specific you know curated interests that only the two of us can understand and like somebody who doesn't get that like doesn't doesn't gain entrance into our little world you know it's it's a very it's a very sick mindset
0: yeah yeah definitely agree um uh, speaking of disturbing mindsets Uh, hannah and caleb are canoodling at the police station after which he breaks off to hand ashley a cup of coffee and talk parent to parent about how grateful she is for the good job he's done raising hannah while she was in jail good grief i can't deny that caleb has spent more time parenting his girlfriend than prezra invested in parenting his actual fake son Uh, but this feels so inappropriate Hannah needs a partner, not like a monitor. Uh, And also there are some real vibes between Caleb and Ashley here, as he talks about the similarities between her and his daughter, his girlfriend, that he so admires about her. Uh, Should Caleb have had to run away to Ravenswood because he fell in love with Ashley? (laughs) is a serious question especially as she asks him to call her by her first name oh this scene ends with the da who kind of looks like tanner and the page mccullers bad bangs wig coming over and announcing to ashley that they're dropping the charges against her everyone is relieved and caleb gives travis a nod of acknowledgement uh, and gratitude from across the precinct
1: Yeah, this scene is really uncomfortable. First of all, Hannah is just, like, vaguely out of frame for this whole scene. Like, she's right next to them, but, like, is not allowed to be part of this conversation. It's very weird. I mean, presumably she's, like, waiting for Travis. But she could be waiting for Travis with the two people that she presumably came to the police station with. Um, But, uh, yeah, it is weird. Like, the chemistry between Caleb and Ashley is uncomfortable. Like, it's definitely there. And, like... I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's weird, especially like you were saying, like on the heels of Caleb acting so paternalistic toward Hannah. Also, the whole like ankle monitor thing sure came to nothing. Like it's, that so seemed like another thing that was being, like they pointed it out to us so many times, but it's like, doesn't matter now. You know, that just seems so weird to me.
0: Agreed, totally agree. Hannah must be suffering from the uh, Wayne fields when you're out of the sight line, you can't hear anything. (laughs) <laughs> uh, like, because otherwise it does seem like she would overhear this whole exchange between Caleb and Ashley and I can't imagine that she would be really happy about the way that they're both kind of like infantilizing her and uh you know just basically talking about her like a, a child who needs to be washed all the time
1: and like weirdly vibing with each other like yes yeah. yeah it's it's totally strange it's maybe totally she true.
0: asked. Maybe she asked Ashley to like distract Caleb so she could go call Mona.
1: That's going to be my head for this situation. I like. I like that. I, I I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Wouldn't it have been weird after the time jump if instead of uh, Spencer and Caleb like hooking up, it was uh, Caleb and Ashley hooking up? Oh
0: my god! I mean, it would work, but I feel like it would really, uh, it would really alter the relationship between Hannah and Ashley so much.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't want that for them. I wouldn't want that for them. Um, so Paige is trying to express some concern to her girlfriend, but Emily is not having it. Uh, Paige is like, Paige, I, I just, I feel bad for Paige because it's like, we've talked about how Paige has basically been like you know la 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 plugging her ears every time Emily brings up the mystery and here Paige is kind of trying to be like hey like I'm concerned about this I want to talk about the mystery and Emily is like no A's a terrorist and we can't give in she's like practically shouting at Paige and also suddenly Paige knows everything about A and Cece and Mona and all of that like it's really bizarre um Emily poor sweet dear naive Emily thinks that they're close to the end she can feel it um, Paige invites Emily to spend the nights before they find Cece at her house. Um, I guess everything is, like, kind of okay between the two of them now? Like, it, all it took was, like, a little a little line dancing, and now they're good?
0: Yeah, this is a very... I, I feel like at this point in the show, even the writers can't really keep track if if Emily and Paige are together or if they're half broken up. Uh, yeah. It's very confusing. Uh, but also, it seems it seems so weird that here we are gonna have Emily staying at Paige's house because A, couldn't she have stayed, if if that was ever gonna be a possibility, couldn't it have been a possibility from the beginning uh, rather than like now after she's bounced around from the motel to Jessica De Laurentiis' house to Spencer's floor, now she's gonna go stay over with Paige, Uh, it's weird. And also uh, I would have totally bought that both Pam and also the McCullers family would not really be cool with Emily having, like, an endless sleepover in Paige's room.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. That is... All of those things are true. <laughs> <laughs> it does not make a whole lot of sense. And I feel like their exchanges later in the episode make even less sense like it's so the writing with these two is just really lazy
0: yeah it's and very very uneven even like you said scene to scene
1: Mm -hmm.
0: uh so spencer is calling toby and leaving a voicemail begging him to check in she pleads with him to call emily or caleb if he doesn't want to talk to her uh we see many calls to him in her phone log so he's been ignoring her for some time Uh, She just goes over to the eight balls and picks up her own, which has the part of the message that's just the sign off of A.
1: So this is presumably the next day from the last episode, right? Yeah, I
0: actually thought it might have been a longer period of time. But later, when Spencer and Toby have their in-person fight, uh, it is going to turn out that this is the following day.
1: I just, I mean, first of all, like Toby is like such an asshole for doing this to Spencer after he faked his own death, like what, like two weeks ago or something, and like, <laughs> sent her into a tailspin. Uh, but also later, we're gonna see Toby just like chilling at his loft, and it's like Spencer, did you go over there? Like, not that she should have to, but but still, I I feel like um, there's a whole lot of fanfare about Toby disappearing, and he is disappearing. I mean, he is being a jerk, but also like he's he's like in town i don't know it's just more like kind of weird inconsistent writing in this episode um so ashley is all dolled up for her big date with pastor ted and hannah is like clearly very excited that her mom is getting laid tonight like the way she's like pastor ted's a patient man but you know like (laughs) come on mom like unzip that dress more um The liars are all here and they're so happy for Ashley. They grin and send her off with big hugs. Um, This is where I took the note. What was the point of the ankle monitor? Because it came to nothing. Um, And then they go into the kitchen. And I kind of love the framing of this because you think it's going to be that they go into the kitchen and it's like they have like a, you know, blueprints to Radley like spread out on the table or something. But no, it's just like an enormous spread of welcome home food uh, for Ashley that they feel like they need to dive into. Um, but, of course, their happy time cannot last for long because another package arrived. arrives addressed to the four of them. Aria, that's so Aria, asks what happens if they just don't open it. Let's just go shopping. Um, and inside is a child-sized coffin, super creepy. And inside the coffin is a Mona doll, a new Mona doll. A eh? has clearly been busy. Um, there is a message for the liars. Hannah wins, so Mona loses. Find her before the cops, or they'll think you killed her. Uh, which is interesting to me that literally one season exactly after this episode, in the next mid-season finale, um, Mona will be presumed dead.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of interesting like callbacks and foreshadowing in this episode. Really, when you think about it, this episode as the 4B finale is like, the narrative halfway point of the show uh yeah. because we've we've come through uh we've come through this way and we have exactly this long to go before we finally slog through to the end of uh of season 7b
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. exactly
0: um so a thing that's happening in this episode it was happening in the first scene there are like all these tvs that are on in the background that are constantly like Giving us updates about the police looking for Cece Drake. Like the the first scene of the episode had like uh, just like a, a sketch of Cece Drake, and it said like person wanted in questioning for Officer Wilden's murder. And like now here in this scene, the liars after they've gotten this package, suddenly they're watching TV again, uh, and it's a sketch of Cece uh, with like I think maybe her her name is there now. Uh, Hannah is on the phone with Radley, and they advise that Mona is no longer a patient there, but they can't give her any more info because it's privileged. Uh, Spencer just swings into action and says she'll go check with Ren, a.k.a. Dr. McSketchy, and she instructs Emily uh, to head over to school and see if anyone in French club has heard from Mona. Uh, Aria offers to cancel her dinner with Jake but Hannah insists she might need to be near Jet Lee in case A comes around and she needs a bodyguard. Uh, Hannah, meanwhile, is off to find Mona herself. Uh, Caleb, suddenly present, hates this and says the whole thing could be Hannah's ex, BFF, messing with them. Uh, <laughs> Hannah blows him off majestically and goes out to find her ex.
1: Um. I feel like nobody seems quite concerned enough, is my general feeling about all of this. Like, they do jump into action, but there's not um, – as- Hannah especially, I-, I-, I feel like, has an under a bit of an underreaction. Also, you could totally watch portions of this episode and believe that Caleb killed Mona or has kidnapped Mona because he is, like, so insistent about Hannah not looking for Mona, that they, like, shouldn't take this seriously, that Mona's probably faking all of this, that, like, she's probably just in her house laughing at them, to the, to the point where it's, like, suspicious how much he is insisting on that.
0: Agree, agree.
1: Yeah, it's, it's super weird. Um, also, it's funny to me that, like, they're, like, Cece has Mona, and it's, like, again, a season later, literally, Cece will have Mona. Like,
0: <laughs> it, it just, it's, it's sort of like an afternoon soap and that it's going to take a really long time for some of this to pay off.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. It's like brilliant foreshadowing or lazy writing. You decide. <laughs> 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 um, so over at Wren's, Spencer has arrived. Uh, she peeks inside when nobody answers and it's clear that somebody is moving and doing so in a hurry. Um, she looks over and jenna's car is parked right there and inside the house we see shauna is hiding from spencer spencer seems to like get the sense that somebody is inside but she doesn't uh she doesn't really investigate further um the whole like shauna jenna wren connection does that ever come up again after this episode
0: um no I was gonna say, may, I, I was gonna, I was gonna propose that maybe it does. Like, I was gonna ask if Jenna and Noel were connected with Alex Drake and CC and Ren in London, but they weren't. It was Noel and CC, and no, no, it wasn't even that. It was, it was Archer Dunhill flawless. and CC, yeah. uh, and uh, and Alex and Ren. So no, this never comes back up. No, never.
1: Yeah. They sure make it seem like it's important in this episode.
0: Uh, Well, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Uh, Other things that are not at all important. Emily and Paige arrive at French Club and encounter an annoying person named Jackie who is practicing immersive education and refuses to answer any questions not posed en français. Uh, Emily, despite having taken at least one year of French with Allison, is unable to come up with Mona, and has to use a French app that she downloaded for Haiti. Uh, It then falls to Paige to be the muscle and try to get more out of Jacqueline. They eventually learn that Mona was supposed to be there. It's surprising that she did not show, especially since it was going to be her welcome back party.
1: I feel like this scene thinks it's funnier than it is. Like, I feel like they think it's like this silly French farce with like Paige and Emily, but it's like, it's none of the writing is very clever and it just feels like one more weird endless loop like oh emily has to use like a french translation app but it comes to nothing also is jackie hooking up with mona because she seems really offended that mona did not show on this night
0: i i really agree also uh i think that if they wanted the scene to be funny it should have been aria and jake instead of Paige and emily (laughs) i feel like aria coming into french club like she'd probably be wearing a beret she'd be like costumed she'd have like a long cigarette holder that she was like you know trying to pretend to be smoking out of like i i feel like that would have gone further with this crowd uh than than what paige and emily get here
1: I agree. I also think it would have been quite funny if Spencer sent Toby there with an earpiece and was, like, feeding <laughs> him the French lines, but he was, say- he was like, butchering the pronunciation so horribly that Jackie could not understand him.
0: That would have also been good. I just kind of like the idea of Arya costuming and, like, probably putting Jake in one of those, like, very tight, striped, long-sleeved shirts. Like, he's, like, a <laughs> gondolier. Just, just, fine.
1: Yeah, I, did you... Did you find this scene funny? No. I mean, I'd I agree it was, it was intended to be,
0: but it really... Uh, no, Jacqueline came off as, like, snooty, and uh, the rest of this is completely immaterial.
1: Yeah, I, yeah. This is, like, just another example of, like, kind of lazy Paige and Emily writing. Um, So, sad music is playing. Toby is mournfully opening a box of old mom-related treasures, a card... A locket he ignores more messages from spencer uh and then we see that he's just in the loft um it's uh like which nobody i guess has checked he comes downstairs t- to see shauna signing some paperwork in the seemingly abandoned brew um and she's like rush- rushes off and leaves a paper behind and it is um something for ren courtesy of melissa off to london Keep your papers in order, Shauna. Toby finally calls Spencer. Yeah,
0: this is a shipping label, and also yes. uh, props to the fact that it's Speed Demon Express, the same uh, the same shipping yes. company uh, that we previously saw the the Patsy and the handoff working at. Uh, but why in the world would you be filling out shipping labels not right next to the boxes that you're yes. shipping, like that? is astonishing like even for a somewhat incompetent villain that seems like just very inefficient
1: well that you would be doing it at at the brew weirdly and then that you wouldn't like make sure that you have all of your papers in order like it's it's yeah
0: (sighs) yeah everything is being sent to run care of melissa melissa is about to get a bunch of these packages uh to her flat in london Mm
1: -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm
0: Ah, so now Spencer and Toby are together in the Hastings house where, uh, oh, the police now, there's Cece Drake on the new screen again. Uh, her name is attached to the sketch. Everyone's looking for her. Uh, Spencer is speculating on Wren's connection to Shauna. It seems sad that Melissa didn't get away from all this mess just by going all the way to England. Uh, Toby takes this opportunity to shame Spencer for her previous involvement with Wren. And then to deflect her statement of needs, she needs her boyfriend to let her know that he's alive after he disappears due to the time he pretended to be dead and it put her into the asylum, etc. By insisting that he stayed in town and was here and what a hero he is for not running away. Uh, then he announces dramatically that he no longer wants A's version of the truth and Spencer should immediately forgive him because he is a cis white guy who shall never be held accountable for his actions. Never ever.
1: Oh man, it this scene is so infuriating. Um, first of all, Spencer talking about Melissa while Cece's face is on the screen feels like confirmation of Misi. I'm gonna take that as a win. Um, but also, like, it's really interesting that this is the first time this is like as close as the show has come so far to acknowledging really anything that happened in 3B regarding Spencer and Toby since season four began. I mean, they've basically just been pretending like that didn't happen. And here Spencer is, you know, she's saying, I have a very real picture of what, you know, you getting hurt looks like, you know, we like you can't do that after what happened last time. Like we are acknowledging it, but we are not acknowledging it. And again, Toby is taking zero responsibility and in fact would really like a medal For the fact that he did not simply abandon his girlfriend and ghost her completely this time around. Yeah,
0: what a horrible, horrible argument. Like, well, okay, so you didn't know if I was dead or alive, but I was alive and I didn't even leave. So really, what's all this fuss about?
1: Exactly. Oh my god. Yeah, it's, it's, it's awful. And I just wish that Spencer, like, I wish that Spencer felt like she could really fully take him to task for all of this. Um it's interesting that she doesn't. I think that he's just kind of like really just kind of worn her down at this point. You know. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I definitely I definitely agree. Yeah.
1: Woof. Ugh. Um Arya and Jake are watching a black and white movie but he has fallen asleep. Aria offers to make them some coffee, but he is too tired. Uh, she's clearly, like, super disappointed that he is not more into this black and white movie date, of which Prezra would have never fallen asleep. Um, but he, you know, is a human man who needs rest <laughs> and gets up to head home. Uh, and Aria, like, sort of looks around forlornly. Also, the placement of the Montgomery TV is wild. Like, it's like... <laughs> Everybody would get a neck ache watching that. <laughs> Did you notice that? Yes,
0: and the Montgomery's have, like, a weirdly small TV for where it's placed. Like, yes. I-, I mean, I think they don't want to give them a big TV because they feel like, well, the Montgomery's aren't, like, super, like, they aren't as rich as, like, the Hastings or anything. Uh, but the small TV and, like, the weird placement of it are just, like... I don't know why you would not just watch something on your laptop in that case.
1: It's like up and above the fireplace. It's so weird. Like above the mantle, I think. It's, yes. It's, it's like where you'd put a hunting trophy is where this TV is.
0: And we're supposed to believe that these two went out to see Insidious 2 at a theater. We've never seen them go to a movie theater. Anytime they want to watch a movie, it's just them watching like an old movie on Arya's couch with this badly placed television. <laughs>
1: and like eating some popcorn and like not seeming very into each other
0: <laughs> oh my goodness uh but also like you said like i mean jake like we don't know why he said no to the poetry reading it might be that he had a really long day today and he was yep. like oh that just doesn't sound good to me but like now he's fallen asleep at movie night and aria just feels like tiredness equals character flaw
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, she's looking for reasons. She's Mm -hmm. looking for reasons to like write this relationship off.
0: Yes, yes, she sure is. Caleb and Hannah are parked outside Mona's house. Uh, Caleb is sure Mona's in there sitting in the dark because she's that twisted. Uh, I think being in your house when it's dark is actually pretty normal, but uh, Caleb believes that everything Mona touches is basically evil. Uh, Unfortunately, you know that she's touched Hannah probably many times. Uh, Hannah tries to reason with him again about Mona sticking her neck out for Ashley and deserving Hannah's protection and intervention on her behalf. Uh, Caleb insists that if Mona is in trouble, it isn't Hannah's fault.
1: Yeah, it feels like he's um, trying to say this. Like, technically, these are comforting words but he's saying it in this way that is so extremely dismissive and basically saying to Hannah like why would you ever care about this person that like you're clearly in love with um and also has anybody talked to Mona's parents later it seems like they have not so i agree
0: they have not like to that end has anybody like walked up to Mona's door
1: <laughs> yeah has any yeah there are a lot of things has has Hannah shimmied up Mona's drain pipe <laughs> um, I feel like that is a thing that could happen. Agreed. Uh, so Emily is over at Paige's. This is the first time we've seen Paige's room, isn't it? I agree. Yeah. Yep. Um, Emily is very worried about Mona. She like can't even sit down or stand still. Paige's dad calls door to prevent any teen lesbian activities from <laughs> happening in this room. Paige apologizes. Uh, Emily tells her not to. Uh, Paige, you know, she, her, her parents would have the same rule if Emily was a guy. Paige says that if Emily was a guy, she wouldn't be here. Um, it's really fascinating to have this glimpse into Paige's home life that we will never get again. Um, <laughs> Paige tries to be sweet and offers for them to watch a movie. Emily is too tense. Paige says that she doesn't get being wor- Emily being worried about Mona, uh, which just, man, like everyone thinks Mona is a monster. Uh, While Emily says that uh, she created the beast, Paige says that Allie did that, but Emily corrects that they let her. This is all really interesting stuff that they are talking about um, because, you know, Paige is also another quote unquote beast created by Allie um, and much in the same way that Hannah could have been Mona. I think Paige could have been too, Uh, but it's like really rushed and shoehorned into this episode and does not get fleshed out at all. Uh, it, it also is frustrating to me that, you know, in, in the episode that I reference more than any other episode, Single Fright Female, <laughs> um, we had that whole really fascinating exploration of the Paige and Allison dynamic and the ways in which Allison sort of, um, you know, stoked the flames of everything that Paige was was going through and Paige's internalized homophobia and all of that. Um, and I feel like That version of like a complex page that can sort of see multiple sides of the equation here um, doesn't really get to shine in this episode. She'll get to come back later in the series. I will give her that. But uh, the fact that this is like the page that put the brain in Mona's locker. Like this is the page that sees everything as like this binary system. Um, And uh, I wish that I wish that it wasn't so. And I also just feel like this is like a case where like they're having page ask Emily these things just so Emily can deliver this monologue about Allison creating the beast like it's not this isn't really page talking this is just like audience stand-in talking kind of
0: well this is like again it's very weird writing uh because in this scene uh we're meant to understand that Emily is sort of condemning Allison's actions or like assuming culpability for some of the things that allison did that emily didn't stop her from doing but yet at the end of the episode uh when it's revealed that allison is alive uh emily is not gonna really she's not gonna seem conflicted uh about whether or not allison is a good person like emily is definitely still gonna be uh really happy uh that you know her girlfriend's back
1: yeah yeah agreed it's 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 a it's a weird take yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: Oh, oh no. So Arya walks into the brew and the poetry reading is over. Presra's there though and all ready to tell her how intense it was and how one of the poems reminded him of a story that Arya wrote about a cat lost but found, which he always thought was about Allie. Oh, another piece of writing, like Shauna's text to Emily that we'll never see. Oh, Uh, Aria agrees that the story was about Allie. She just didn't know it at the time. And then, oh, they're off to the races of resuming their relationship as he drags her into a discussion of writing and art. You know, he's trying to get her back because he's spending all of 30 seconds pretending to be interested in someone who's not himself
1: well it's also so obvious that he's just literally researching his allison book here like he's like could you like could you tell me like the dates and times that you mentioned in your little cat (laughs) Uh, but oh my god these two are i mean this is this way like in which Arya and ezra kind of are made for each other because they're both so insufferable in the way that they talk about these things like i just i felt like hearing them talk about found but lost like i'm just like i'm throwing up in my mouth with these two well
0: I also i feel like uh i feel like that was completely ripped out of the end of breakfast at tiffany's with the cat yes.
1: like oh my god it's like breakfast at tiffany's and 500 days of summer had a baby and that <laughs> baby threw up this presria scene
0: <laughs> it's true it's true
1: it's terrible. Um, so then we go to a montage of all of the couples. Um, I don't know how Hannah can sleep when her girlfriend is like maybe dead, but whatever. Hannah's sleeping on Caleb, who like might have Mona tied up in the trunk at this point. I don't really know. Um, Paige and Emily are in bed wearing shoes. Emily is <laughs> sleeping. Uh- <laughs> And they are also watching a black and white movie. So maybe Paige and Arya are the OTP all along. I mean, they do both enjoy tree climbing. Um, it is weird that they have like this the Phil Noir connection or like the, the black and white movie connection because they're both into the black and white movies and then they have the scene in the black and white episode. Um, it's weird. Uh, then we go over to Spoby and Presria. Here is where it gets a little bit interesting, because Spoby are cozied up by the fire at the Hastings house. Presria are at the brew, um, kind of, they're they're laughing and chatting, and then Aria just sort of out of the blue kisses Presria in this very, like, it's not like a, oh my god, lean, it's like just this very, like, natural thing, and they go back into their conversation. But I, did you hear the lyric, the song lyric that starts playing when they switch to Spoby and Presria? It's about control, right? The line that keeps repeating over and over again is, this isn't control. This isn't control. This isn't control. It's very interesting.
0: That is interesting, especially because uh, we've been seeing, like, Paige and Emily are asleep. Hannah is asleep. Um, Spencer is not asleep. Spencer is awake, uh, snuggled up against Toby, as if she doesn't trust him enough to be that vulnerable around him. Good point. Uh, and then when we go over to aria and presra like by the end of the episode we are definitely going to understand uh like the depth of his duplicitousness
1: yes yes and uh yeah i don't know i just i somebody somebody in that music in that music room was having fun
0: <laughs> agreed agreed also emily isn't just wearing shoes she's wearing like boots on Paige's bed which is like who knows who knows what they're getting up to maybe that's some other
1: house rule um but maybe maybe it's more carryover from last week with the foot and shoe stuff who knows maybe
0: maybe um back at the hastings where parents are so scarce that Spencer has had the magic eight balls and the Mona doll in a child coffin just out in the (laughs) living room, another package comes. This time, it's a magic box that only Spencer can open to reveal a saw with an A message written on it about making a girl disappear. Spencer thinks A is putting on a magic show and the four of them are part of the act.
1: Yes. um, This is... i I really do like um the kind of spencer hannah dynamic in this scene because hannah hannah again who is not upset enough about mona i'm gonna say that in every scene because i feel it in every scene um she's like for once i'm right and you're wrong spencer um (laughs) also spencer went to performing arts camp which is pretty queer um and uh yeah they're they're uh Spencer, I feel like she gets a lot of the, like, the big, like, hammer on the end of the scene lines in this episode. Like, she had the World War A line, and she gets the, you know, A is going to make her disappear forever. Very dramatic.
0: True. I think that Hannah and Spencer are kind of flirty about the magic stuff, really. Uh, Especially because, like, uh, Hannah, Hannah is the uh, type of person slash character who is easily wowed by magic like (laughs) yes and i i like that detail and also the detail of spencer kind of wanting to be the one to impress her in this way
1: oh well if you know me at all you know that i have a line later about how magic is going to later play their foreplay (laughs) It's, it's definitely there if you're looking for it um So Caleb and Toby are having a post-coital coffee convo outside of Mona's. Um, Caleb is still on the Mona set this all up train. Again, like it seems like nobody has talked to to Mona's parents because Toby brings them up. And um, they wonder if maybe they're out of town, which also seems like a kind of a key piece of information to have. Um, Caleb then literally threatens to kill Mona. Like I'm not even exaggerating. He says if he finds out that Mona um, set this up, he will kill her himself. Like, simmer down, buddy. And then a weird thing happens. (laughs) It's going to set off a chain of events for the rest of the episode where Toby is going to stay with Caleb's car and later take Caleb's car while Caleb walks home to take a nap? Question mark?
0: How did Toby get here? Why did (laughs) Toby drive his own truck? And why can't Caleb take that? I... I don't understand this at all.
1: It's all just for the sake of getting Caleb on a bus, which also isn't important. Like they make it going to be like a magic, like a magic school bus or something, but it literally means nothing. (laughs) No, but doesn't something.
0: I think when we watch Grave New World, uh, there's something that happens to him on the bus or he meets oh, the ghost girl.
1: Yeah, I think maybe he has
0: to be picked up by the ghost bus.
1: I think, yeah, I think there's like a bus crash or something. Uh, uh <laughs> Yes. Who knows? Who knows? It's weird. But
0: yes, that that is very strange. I don't really understand why there is this awkward car switch. Uh, <laughs> but I'm also I'm also annoyed because when um uh, when Toby asks Caleb if he's gotten any sleep, Caleb concedes that he fell asleep for a while after Hannah left. So like someone could have someone could have come in and nabbed Mona while Caleb just like relaxed there in his car having a snooze. Way to like prioritize your girlfriend's wishes here, Caleb.
1: Yep. Yep. He's like, he's like hoping that Cece's going to just like take care of this Mona situation for him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Uh, So the liars are looking up magic stuff and Hannah and Spencer are flirting over the box. Aria discovers an online ad for a magic show by the great Charlemagne taking place in Ravenswood that very afternoon. They must go. Spencer must drive.
1: Yes. Um, yeah, the, the, Hannah's, like, tr- like actively trying to do the whole magic box thing in the background, which is very entertaining. Um, Aria, Aria's like, is there a magic shop that we don't know about? And it's like, Aria, honey, you of all people would know about it, I feel.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, if there were a magic shop in Rosewood, I feel like Aria would have definitely worn a magician's cape prior to this point in the series.
1: Like her whole look would be like a like inspired <laughs> by Magic Shop.
0: Yes. Arya would be going everywhere dressed as a French magician. Make no mistake.
1: Exactly. Well, it's interesting how it's like this is the episode that is flirting with and then eventually like fully committing to the the mysticism and supernatural elements of Ravenswood. Like it's like it's a magic show but it's like not actual magic like it's like actual like it's, it's like magician ship or whatever um but by the end of the episode we'll have the Grunwald full on being like i i have the gift so yeah it's funny that it's like it's almost like the show is trying to like ease us into this sort of uh supernatural stuff mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um toby is flipping through a newspaper when jenna's car kind of frantically drives out um, Toby, who is supposed to be keeping watch on Mona and has Caleb's car, gives chase. Like, he decides <laughs> that this is his new mission.
0: Yes. Uh, that's not really explained. Also not really explained if the Jenna car came out of the driveway of Mona's house or a driveway a little ways down the street. Like, it's just like, this car exists. Go follow it.
1: Yes. Exactly.
0: Also, they're not even like like they're not even having Jenna show up to be suspicious anymore. Now it's just Jenna's car.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jenna's car. Jenna's car is its own character.
0: Right, right. Uh, the liars arrive at the park in Ravenswood just in time uh, for the conclusion of the magic show. Uh, Toby has like, called Spencer to alert her the, to the fact that he's involved in this car chase uh, with Jenna's vehicle uh, and the liars kind of get out and you can tell they're in like the blue and sepia tones of, of Ravenswood. Uh, they rush up to the park and we learn that the great Charlemagne is a mime, not to be confused with the occasionally transphobic radio host and catfish you know, guest star uh, or the medieval emperor and bit player in Pippin. Uh, Anyway, everyone is very entranced by the mime's show beyond what it seems to deserve, uh, including the (laughs) Grunwald and a creepy dude with a villain mustache who is staring at the liars. Uh, The mime presses Aria to take part in a disappearing box trick. She's not into it due to good sense and a phobia of boxes post-ghost train, Uh, but Spencer assures her she'll be all right. Huh? Like, the trick goes fine and Aria reappears only uh, for the liars to realize that while Aria was in the box, someone kidnapped Emily. Uh, they get a text message from A, uh, which is in French, uh, means sleight of hand. Kisses, bitches, A.
1: Yeah, this is like where this episode really gets kind of goofy. Um, it's just, it's it's, it's a little wacky. Um The fact that it takes the liars so long to realize that Emily is not there (laughs) is like bizarre. Um, I mean, it's it's like right next to her. It's almost—it's almost like a
0: Home Alone situation. Like, what if they had just accidentally left Emily back in Rosewood? What if Emily
1: was like locked in the car? I know. I know. She very well might be. Um, but I do think it's interesting that it, this episode, whether intentionally or not, is sort of drawing a line between Mona and Emily, that it's like Mona was the girl who was going to disappear. And, a- and now it is actually Emily who will be the girl who will disappear, especially after Emily actually shared some empathy for Mona earlier in this episode. True, true. Um. So wow, this next section of the episode is just going to be a mess to talk about. But um, this is like, I feel like we're like back at the lodge fire. It's like, there's just a lot of running around and red coats. Um, Emily's phone rings. She is roused from sleep in a box, um, freaking out as the liars talk to her on her phone. She thinks she's locked in a coffin. Um, and I, I feel like uh, Emily being buried alive would be another like interesting parallel to Allison. Um, also, also, God, being buried alive just sounds like the most terrifying thing in the world. Um, She hears a saw, which she identifies as a sawmill saw, and the liars, like, very quickly put all of this together. The Grunwald lives on Sawmill Road. There is Redcoat running toward the conveniently right there sawmill. Uh, The liars chase her into said sawmill while Emily screams for them. She is, like, in a box locked onto a track that is heading right towards this giant saw, um, the Liars frantically try to get her out of the box, but don't seem to entertain the idea of like actually turning off the saw or the track until Redcoat does just that. Or or moving
0: the box off of the conveyor belt. I think, is it locked onto the conveyor belt? How can it be locked onto the conveyor belt? Isn't it going towards a giant blade that's going to cut it all up? That's
1: a good point. That's a good point.
0: I mean, I mean good points like how did Emily get kidnapped? Was she like chloroformed with like a really weak dosage that she was awake again 30 seconds later, but now in this box, like, did someone come up to her and say, excuse me, miss, I have some puppies in this box. Can you help me? And she just like went into it. What, what exactly happened there?
1: Yeah, it's, it's so weird that that part is never explained. Like Emily is Emily never has a moment where she's like, "Oh, I was like clocked on the back of the head," or like, <laughs> "Like I thought I saw Allison and I followed her like into this." Like, I mean, that would make sense. I thought I saw Allison and I followed her, or like I saw Shauna
0: and I followed her, like any of that.
1: One line. It would have been. It would have taken one line. But nope. Don't worry about it. Don't think too hard about it. Um, The red coat hand like is smarter than the liars and stops the saw um, before they can get Emily out. Then the liars realize that they are that there are two red coats. Uh, They leave Hannah to deal with Emily getting Emily out of the box while Spencer and Arya each chase after a red coat. Spencer chases one red coat down the street to an apartment building. Um, Aria chases one in an alley mask up the stairs they engage in some karate which Aria is quite good at after her tutoring sessions with karate Jake um, before Aria knocks the mask off and it is CC CC jumps onto a rope which starts to break Aria grabs her and the sleeve of the red coat rips CC drops in a way that we are meant to think has killed her
0: yes uh, this is interesting. Uh, We have Emily being kidnapped, which is kind of a throwback to uh, the mid-season finale when she was kidnapped by the talking doll and led to the carbon monoxide barn. Uh, We have this Emily in peril situation uh, that's that's set up for a a suspenseful conclusion. Uh, Also... This whole thing with like Cece and there's like this elevated platform and this fraying rope and everything. This is very much a callback to the bell tower, especially as like Aria is like holding her to prevent her from falling and then she falls anyway. Uh, and then we it's also like a, a foreshadowing of the the time jump when Cece is eventually gonna be found dead at the foot of the bell tower. Um, and unfortunately that time actually uh, presumably deceased
1: yeah yeah for sure um
0: so aria comes down and once again no one seems to take a pulse or anything <laughs> like that's just not something that the liars find important to do when confronted with bodies uh they gather around a distraught aria and debate calling the police uh cc's fingers twitch twice and it's enough magic to teleport her away because when the liars turn back around she is gone
1: Yes. um, And it's like they, they don't really have time to, like, deal with that situation because Spencer <laughs> has something to show them. Um, outside, Spencer theorizes that red the red coat she was chasing was Allie and who was leading them somewhere to this apartment. Upstairs is an apartment filled with a stuff, a new lair. There are giant photos of Allie posted all over the wall. Someone is watching them through the eyes of a poster. There is a big whiteboard with timelines for each of them, all of their secrets, private moments, big pictures. Spencer refers to this person as a he. Uh, Hannah swipes Allison's diary. Uh, Then we see that there is a giant computer system which has been monitoring their home alarm systems, the police, and the streets. This is how A is everywhere, they realize. Yes.
0: Uh, now I just want to point out that these giant photos of Allison. Uh, they're all sexy photos. She is looking at the camera, uh, in a very come hither way. Uh, they're all photos where she is like, just, you know, posing very provocatively, like they're not nudes, but, um, you know, they're definitely the kind of pictures that a person is looking at, uh, in a, in a way that is meant to be sexual. Uh, And I just want to point out that this is Prezra's place and you probably don't want to look under those at those pictures under a UV light because there is not really like a decent upstanding man reason for him to have any of this. Uh,
1: You think? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, there most definitely is not. Yeah.
0: Um, Toby has tailed Shauna to a bed and breakfast where Mona is sitting on the porch in a rocking chair. Shauna hands her an envelope, and there's some talk of whether she is okay with this. Unclear who the she is, whether it's Allie, CeCe, Jenna, or Melissa, or Mona's mistress, French Jacqueline, for all we know.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, you know, Shauna and Mona could be hooking up. We don't really know what is going on. Um, And this is another um, finale where Toby is like, skulking around poorly like disguising himself spying on people yes he has a
0: very uh he has the teen wolf look on his face yes Uh, teen wolf detective uh as he's like going out after these people also like why doesn't he like the concern is that mona is going to be like done in by cc and her minions why doesn't like toby just like go to mona and be like hey cc is after you come with me if you want to live um probably because mona would be like oh no
1: (laughs) i'd rather not (laughs) she'd be like could you send spencer i'll wait here for her (laughs) maybe hannah if she's free yeah um yeah so what do you think is going on though with shauna and mona here
0: I don't know I, I feel like probably they're like paying mona to disappear temporarily or something of that nature for reasons for reasons or it's like a plane ticket for her to go visit melissa and take the packages to ren <laughs> unknown mona is
1: in fact herself the speed demon express like that's one of her <laughs> hyper adrenalized reality gifts
0: yes yes exactly yeah.
1: Um, So the liars are attempting all of the passwords and have even consulted Caleb on this matter. Um, He says that he is on the way and is still to the bitter end pushing the Mona is behind this theory. Uh, He announces that he'll get on the next bus because his car has disappeared to wherever the fuck Toby is. Um, Spencer thinks that A has formed a corporation. Hannah points out that Cece studied business at UPenn. But Spencer doesn't think that this is CeCe because CeCe is on the payroll. Uh, so, wow, we sure disposed of that theory quickly. Uh, they think that CeCe was paid to dress up as Redcoat, And um, I had the question, is Allie the person watching them?
0: I don't know if it's Allie or President. I assume it is. I, I, I assume it's either Allie or CeCe, although I guess I don't really know.
1: Yeah, I don't really know either. It looks like a woman, but it's, you know, who knows?
0: It who, who indeed? It's probably just a floating eyeball. This is after all Ravenswood.
1: It's a coconut oil mask with a floating <laughs> hand and eyeball yeah. underneath it. Yeah. Uh,
0: it's it's of course the actual answer is it's Sarah
1: Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> that's unfortunately, that's always the actual answer. When you don't know the identity of somebody, unfortunately, the actual answer is always that it is Sarah Harvey. Yeah,
0: but they're so they're at the lair and they're like they're eliminating theories left and right. Like CC is on the payroll of this corporation. Ren is an A because they've been following him too. Um, So like, they're, they're just like using all of this material to like throw out theories. that The show had been investing a lot of time in developing for us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They're just burning through plot here. Yeah. Burning through plot and theories.
0: Uh, we do, Hannah finds the closet full of suits and, you know, feels like that's confirmation that A is a guy. And then Emily discovers this book of more Allison photos. Um, Spencer is speculating that it's board shorts. The name of this corporation is the same of Allison's favorite beach at Cape May. And then in the scrapbook, Emily finds a letter that Allie wrote to this guy demonstrating that she lied about her age and was planning to meet up with him to show him around the Cape. Uh, by the tone and words in the letter, she is absolutely 100% meeting him to have sex. Like, that seems very, very clear in the letter. Also, it's signed, yes. your favorite, Allison. Uh, during all of this, Aria is looking at the whiteboard timeline, and there's one for Allie. Uh, it seems like A has tracked her to Ravenswood. If Allie is alive, Emily wonders whose funeral did they go to? Hannah notices a picture of a soldier in a gas mask and a flyer for a period costume event taking place in Ravenswood Cemetery that very night, a night to remember, with a notation written on it that says, Allison, 11 p.m. He must be going there to find her, which means the liars need to find her first.
1: This whole idea of, like, A has been tracking Allison from the lodge to Ravenswood, it's like, isn't that, like, a 20-minute drive? like <laughs> what is this like arduous journey of like this like wild like journey of like allison traipsing from the lodge to ravenswood like i just I, it's i'm a,
0: it's a really good question and i feel like it's like this is one of those like you just can't think about it too hard because it's like an escher painting where like all of the stairs lead up to like other stairs um But, like, if Prezra was trying to find Allison, employing Cece is kind of a good idea, like, or keeping track of Cece, because it is likely that Cece is going to or has made contact with Allison. So that makes sense. So it's like, is this flyer that has, like, this red writing that we've so often seen as being in the A messages, like, is this a communication that was between Allison and Cece that Prezra is like trying to use to like track Allison, or is Allison like supposed to meet Prezra at this thing? Like, how does anyone know that Allison is
1: going to be there, and why? Yeah, it, great questions, great questions. It's it's with no answers, with no answers, with no answers. Well, I think the other weird thing is like Prezra is ostensibly like this sort of like investigator character but also a guy who was like clearly involved with Allison and so I feel like the show sometimes the show just portrays him as like a voyeur and sometimes it's like no he was like actively involved in all of this stuff um, right. this idea this idea that um, that I think Arya floats is that you know it can't be Ren because A has been watching Ren and it's like you know, have have any of these girls ever seen like a scream movie? It's like <laughs> you injure yourself so that it looks like the killer went after you. Like that's what you do, you know?
0: Well, and there's no reason that like Ren couldn't be a partner in this enterprise that A is also trying to keep tabs on.
1: Sure. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um it's also interesting that like the whole like A is a corporation thing is another idea that I feel like sort of gets dropped and then picked up again in season six with the kerosene group. Mm-hmm. Um, which also then very swiftly gets like shuttled to the side. So it's weird. It's true. It's so weird. Um, so outside of the apartment building, it is suddenly dusk. And I, first of all, let me just say, I wish that like this episode, I feel like an episode that is just the liars exploring A's lair could be great. And the fact that it's, like, shoved into, like, you know, maybe eight minutes of this episode or less is unfortunate. Because I think that, like, them going through it, like, there could be a way to write that in a way that would be really interesting and not just really exposition-y. But because they have so little time there, it ends up being really exposition-y. But anyway, outside, it's dusk. Everybody is getting ready for the party. The Grunwald suddenly shows up and stops the liars, telling them that this party is for invited guests only. She says... That it's dangerous for them to go chasing after Allison and admits that she lied to Spencer in order to protect Allison. Allie was calling her that summer uh, to find out who was following her. The Grunwald says that Allie was right to be afraid and she knows because she has a gift of insight and was using it to help Allison see who was threatening her. She She says she felt something terrible on that night. And the Grunwald narrates this flashback of finding Allison reaching up out of the ground, pulling her up. Her body was bloody and she was confused and in shock. The Grunwald drove Allie to the hospital, uh, but Allie escaped or was taken before she could get help. Uh, Emily confirms Allison is still alive. And this is, I think, probably one of the most successful uh, moments of this episode, When the Grunwald asks if they've all felt it, she says, you know, you've all felt it. She was never really gone. And they all kind of like let that settle for a beat. Um, The Grunwald hasn't seen Allison, but she knows that Allie won't come home until she finds out who she can trust. Allie doesn't want to be found. And the Grunwald tells them to leave Ravenswood because they're being watched. And he is hoping that they will lead him to Allison. And as the Grunwald walks away, she ominously says, he's here. (laughs)
0: oh so here it is this independent confirmation that allison is alive like so shocking that emily has to repeat it um and this is like this this should be a big moment uh the grunwald like the, the it's weird because like we're supposed to feel like this is a reliable source but most like a lot of what the Grunwald is giving us comes from her, her psychic visions. Um, so that's, that's an interesting choice that they're making here, um, but it seems persuasive. And it's true that they have all had like building feelings uh, that Allison is alive, uh, that this just seems to be like, you know, putting, putting the facts to really, it seems like the reason that they have the Grunwald here is because they don't want to shoot their Allison shot in this episode. Like, they want the big moment of Allison being back to take part in part two of this episode, uh, Grave New World. And also because then this is going to mean that, like, the liars already have the story about how Allison got out of the grave, and Allison isn't going to have to go into that until, yeah. you know, until the A is for answers coffee shop exposition episode <laughs> way later.
1: The just, like, here's what you missed on the Allison portion of PLL episode.
0: Yeah, the the way that they do those episodes, that episode in the coffee shop, where it's, like, constantly being interrupted by Hannah rattling around (laughs) for sweets. uh, And then later, uh, later, the 6A finale that involves, like, the (laughs) the, like, hologram screen of flashback crimes. Uh, yep. Yeah, that's
1: those. Those are not the strongest moments. I feel. At some point, I feel like we're we're gonna have to do a ranking of like worst to best um info dump episodes. <laughs> you know, because you've also got like you've also got Alex Drake monologuing dispenser. Oh my gosh, you do. That's you do. another one.
0: I mean, in that sense, the holographic uh, like flashback crime-inator thing. Uh, I give that points for style, I think.
1: Yeah, I think I I would maybe at this... Who knows? My answer might change on this. I would maybe choose A as for answers just because like there's a little bit more emotion in that episode as they're actually hmm. processing it. Um, yeah, yeah. This is reminding me, though, me saying that I prefer that is reminding me that when I listened to our Lady Killer episode... You were praising the Toby's mom storyline. I'm sorry, I was wrong. <laughs> no, it's, it's okay, it's okay. But it just made me laugh so much in retrospect, like, knowing the well that we would eventually fall down <laughs> together.
0: You had, you had more clear-sightedness about it than I did.
1: Well, but I'm sure that there are things that you have had much more clear-sightedness about. <laughs> than me oh right or... you, well
0: you used to think that Garrett and Wilden were like the same character like, that's very true similar. I did I they, did
1: that is they function that is fair that <sighs> that is very fair
0: goodness we should not we should okay. not start flinging slings and arrows at one another about our <laughs> about our old takes
1: yes yes it's this is a safe space for like fresh
0: takes <laughs> um at a bus stop in Rosewood Uh, The old-timiest bus in the world rolls up to pick up Caleb. It is such an old-school bus that it doesn't even have the hydraulic door. Like, it has, like, (laughs) a door with a door handle that the the driver has to open for him. Uh, Okay, so it's going to pick up Caleb and take him back to the olden days of ghost times.
1: Yeah, it's a bus to spin off town. Um, (laughs) I felt like... The like they needed this to be spookier. Like, I needed it to be like the bus flips to like Ravenswood, and then like there's like a raven that like flies across like the little bus marquee sign or something.
0: Well, I just don't understand. I just don't understand why Caleb had to take this bus. Like, I understand that Toby like randomly and inexplicably has Caleb's car, but like, where is Toby's truck? Why can't Caleb take that? Why can't Caleb, like, go to Hannah's house and take Ashley's car? Like, why is Caleb's only option to wait for this bus?
1: Because it's the spin-off bus.
0: And also the bus thing, like, definitely seems to indicate uh, that Ravenswood is not that far away.
1: <laughs> yep. Yep. Unless it's like a Greyhound bus situation, but it doesn't seem to be. Mm-mm. Yeah, it's strange. It's really weird. Um, so the liars are doubting the Grunwald story, but wonder if they should go to this big party tonight. Hannah believes the Grunwald, which foreshadows the fact that like she'll randomly be like have the gift in uh, season seven. There's some debate about whether they should go. But then Aria spies some fancy dresses in a shop window. And I feel like that decides it for her. Like she's like, oh, I need that dress on my person we are crashing this party <laughs>
0: yeah this is just i i feel like this is a super weird moment to end the episode on in terms of where the liars are and their plot it's like they've just received some really critical information that Allie is alive uh and their response to this is well what we have to do now is go get fancy dresses for this party <laughs>
1: yes it's like this is this is the top priority time to get our fancy dress on well i I also like the idea that like ravenswood is like this like spooky ghost town but the liar's logic is like oh well if we have fancy dresses on like we won't seem like weird outsiders
0: (laughs) no if we dress up like we're ghosts too everything will be just fine
1: yes exactly exactly
0: uh someone watches them ominously on the street we follow this figure back to the lair where it is obvious the liars have infiltrated and seen everything uh we see his face this is one of those big moments where it's like they did that with Cece like when we saw her in the black hoodie uh listening outside of Prezra's
1: door in the last episode here in impotent fury uh yes yes it is it is a glorious moment when when prez returns around isn't it it just feels like it feels so right it feels so right it's like i remember watching that for the first time and being like oh my god they're going there yes like we knew it all along oh man
0: yeah, it it feels like it feels like exactly the right thing. It feels like exactly the right reveal. Uh, it feels like the thing that's been there in plain sight all along, where the show was acting like he was above suspicion, but he's not. Uh, and yeah, I just I I love it. I wish they would have really committed to it. Uh, but this does launch really like the most satisfying era of PLL when Presra is like the undisputed villain.
1: Yeah, and it's I mean what makes it so satisfying in this moment is this sense of inevitability and this sense of like oh they were on you know this brief moment of feeling like oh they were on our side all along. Like this yeah. is all this has all been on purpose. Like they they knew what they were doing and it will all come crashing down very soon but man it is glorious while it lasts, isn't it?
0: It is. It is. And just like the way that he responds here with this anger and this petulance, it's really great because that is an anger and a petulance we have seen from him so many times before. And also like, when you think about this, when you think about the existence of this layer and everything, like all of his boo-hooing about how he needed to spend so much time with his fake son and blah, blah, blah. Well, those timelines certainly seem like they've been uh, refreshed quite recently.
1: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. It just, it's like it all comes together in such a great way. And yeah, I mean, like you said, it launches, um, this next little chunk of the series that is one of the, I think one of the most interesting and daring, um, and probably really the last daring sections of the series, uh, until the end, like sort of it, the, the, this, we're sort of. Um, I feel like we're kind of going to go into like the last great stretch of episodes, in a sense. What's your yeah. feeling on that?
0: Yeah, I I really agree. I feel like you were talking about uh, a few weeks ago, like this era of the show where it really seems possible, like Hannah and Caleb might break up for good. Like he'll go off to the spinoff and everything, mm-hmm. uh, and I feel like this is this is really the last period of time where multiple romantic possibilities exist for the liars um because like once the spinoff is dead and caleb is back and haleb is back together uh and once presra is going to be forgiven for everything that he's done here like any sense of like romantic tension uh around these relationships is gone like they from that point on they just feel like they're a foregone conclusion
1: yeah yeah it's it's true it's true it's like oh well it doesn't matter because of the end game you know you have to you have to like nothing can nothing can can supersede the end game
0: yeah like you're writing to that instead of letting these characters grow and develop organically
1: yeah um so i have to say 4a was was not as good as i remembered it was more uneven than i remembered I remembered it having higher highs, and it ended up having kind of some, like, a lot more sort of, like, middling episodes than I expected. Um, it, I enjoyed rewatching it, though. What was, what's sort of your takeaway from 4A?
0: Oh, well, of course, it's about Toby's mom. I thought, uh, I thought that I was going to, I remembered that being, like, a, a more clear, a more clear line, I guess. Um, and I felt like it tied back in better than it does. Maybe, I mean, I, I don't want to say, like, maybe it'll get better. Like, maybe that story rebounds or becomes more cohesive in the back half of the season, but I mm-hmm. really don't think so.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think my memory of it is that it 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 sort of just devolves into, like, Toby gets, like, a settlement from Radley or something, and yeah, then eventually we find out what happened at the uh. end in uh, in the 6A finale. But... Yeah, it it's unfortunate too because um it had it had potential. I think that the shows like the shows sort of need to have everything be connected. Really ultimately was was so much of its downfall. You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I agree. Well, this is also um this is also a point where I feel like the show has stopped caring if if things tie back to one another at all. Uh, and it also feels yeah. like we're, we're like knowing what we do, knowing where the show is going to go at the end of 6A. Um, everything that happens between now and then is really, is really essentially filler because they have figured it out. Now it was CC. <laughs> like, Surprise. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like the show just like, just like wanders around in the wilderness for a long time and then comes back and it's like, Oh, it's this person you forgot you had suspected.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's very, um, it's, it's the definition of wheel spinning, right? It's just like, okay, well, we have got a couple more seasons to fill, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, we're, we're coming up to the time. Like I, what I remembered hearing at one point is that, um, I think around maybe season five, like they got renewed for another couple of seasons, but then very quickly their ratings started declining and they realized that they had to do an a reveal, um, and like change things up. And so I think that's why, like, you know, the, the Charlotte reveal and like the, the timeline or that the time jump, like a lot of that felt so kind of slapped together. Um, and it's sort of interesting to think about that. Um, the show still had a lot of like a lot of power at this point, I think, you know, in terms of like social media power and everything. Um, and it's also interesting thinking about the ways like shippers may have impacted certain things like the, the Presria shippers potentially revolting after this reveal, the Haleb shippers revolting after Caleb was sent off to Ravenswood. Um, yeah. well also
0: you still care at this point it still feels like it matters who a is and there's yeah. Prezra. like by the time by the time the show like is like sloughing itself over the finish line uh like boneless and just like like protoplasm of a show at that point uh by the time you get there i know we both talked about how like it would, it would. We would almost prefer to just not know, to just end it with a driving off into the sunset, because it barely seems to matter anymore by the by that point. Uh, and and would it be better to not have an answer than to have the answer be a character you have only freaking met in the finale episode? Like, oh, yeah. Show. Oh, oh, show. But like here. Here you still care. Here it's still somebody that you have invested, you know, that you have invested, like, time and thought and is entangled in these relationships together.
1: And a character who makes sense. You know, it's not, like, yeah. a random, like, like oh, well, um, it's Shauna. Like, it's right. Shauna as like, we need it to be Shauna, you know? Um, because she
0: was available for this episode.
1: <laughs> exactly. And, like, we want to have a liar kill somebody, but, like, we don't want it to be somebody that we really care about, you know? um. Prezra makes so much sense as A, and I'm sure we'll spend many of the episodes of 4B talking about that more in depth. But, um, yeah, it just, it makes so much sense for this dude to be A.
0: Well, when we talked about Mona and her motivations and, like, the motivations of, uh, of Presra, like, not only does it just make emotional and logical sense for these characters to be like the antagonist in at at these times uh i think that it also is is something to be said for a main cast member or someone who's very close to being a main cast member uh being the villain uh having the villain be someone who you haven't seen for like full seasons before the reveal Uh, really, really becomes, like, a go-to move for them after this point. And that's just never going to be as satisfying.
1: Well, and also there's something about having A be a character who's been around since the pilot that feels really right, you know? Um, And a character with attachment to multiple liars as opposed to just, like, one specific liar. Um, I always felt like the Presra reveal... Other than the mo- the Mona reveal was like the most satisfying A reveal. What are your yeah. thoughts? Yeah, on-
0: I I agree, and I think the only reason that the Mona reveal is ahead of it is because the show as a whole was was tighter back at the beginning,
1: and because they don't walk it back. You right, know, right, They let they let Mona actually be A. So, uh, yeah, man. Wow, four A. We've done it. We've done it. We've climbed the <laughs> mountain. <laughs> We
0: have, Aria is like emancipated from her parents. Uh, Emily is still homeless. There's a car parked in her living room. Uh, The Liars have, they've been through some stuff.
1: They have been through some stuff. Not a great half season for Spencer. No,
0: no. I feel like we always talk about Aria being on the romantic comedy, That's So Aria. I feel like Emily's version of that, the That's So Emily show is Emily constantly being kidnapped And I feel like the That's So Spencer show has Spencer constantly being threatened and worrying that her boyfriend uh, is either hating her or faking his own death.
1: Yeah, and the That's So Hannah show is Hannah having to constantly defend her relationship with Mona to her boyfriend.
0: Yes, Uh, yes it is.
1: But it's also going to be interesting, this will be a pretty much Haleb slash Caleb-less half season that we're going into. I'm excited for that. I'm excited for that too. I mean, this feels like a season that's really, this is the last half season, kind of like what you were saying, that was um, toying with the idea that maybe not all of these couples will get back together. Yes. Um, And it's really satisfying. Um, But before we dive into 4B, we are going to do something a little different. We are going to do a little mini series on... um, on Teenage Bounty Hunters. We did our Teenage Bounty Hunters sort of overall recap Love Fest episode last week, and there was a lot of excitement about it. And we feel excited about it. And so we, um, we want to do a little bit more in depth. We're going to cover two episodes at a time and do a little sort of five week deep, deep dive into, uh, into that world of Teenage Bounty Hunters before we uh, pick back up with the, the world of PLL.
0: Yeah, I'm excited for that. I think it'll be a, a fun little change, a, a bit of a break for us. And then we will be, especially because I feel like uh, we're we're going to be going into a really good stretch of PLL next, but it's kind of the last really good stretch. So we'll, we'll we, we've got to save it. We've got to, you know, we've got to yeah. save something for dessert.
1: It's true. It's true. We'll kind of, we'll kind of savor it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited to, to get to, like, as we talked about, we could have talked for hours about, uh, about Teenage Bounty Hunters on our episode. And now we're going to get to do just that. So I'm yeah, it's, that. it's true. Have
0: you watched it yet? I hope you have. I hope you yes. like it. I hope you'll maybe have things to say to us about it. If yeah. not, get on that. Get on that yes. right now.
1: <laughs> yes. You will want to, uh, yeah, prioritize, prioritize the watching of that. Um, Fix your
0: life. It, go watch that show. <laughs>
1: Yes, it'll make your life better. Um, yes, but if you have thoughts on, uh, do we? Well, first of all, do we have more that we want to say about four A? Uh, of-
0: I, I, don't think we do. I, it's, it's been an interesting ride, and I'm so happy uh, that we're going into the Presra is a era. Really, really a, a good period for the show, I think.
1: It is. It definitely is. It gives some momentum to this to a show that's maybe stalled stalled out a little bit in some of these. Well- earlier episodes
0: especially because there are emotional stakes attached to it yes. uh, which you really you really don't get from the other reveals
1: it's true it's true um well if you have thoughts on uh on this episode or this half season of pll or if you have thoughts on teenage bounty hunters we would love to hear from you you can of course send us an email at everybody at gmail.com you can also check out our Instagram at everybody a podcast and send in a rating and review on iTunes. We would appreciate it. Um, yes, we will be, we'll be back with, uh, with TBH and then eventually back with PLL, all of the acronym shows that we love to talk about till then. Take care.